This is the Hope Not Note podcast, where we answer your questions and share inspirational stories to fill your soul with hope. Our mission is to empower hope to those who have been plagued by nope. I'm Dr. Dylan Caswell. And I'm Brandy. And we're here to bring you out of the nope and into hope. Welcome to the 10th episode of the Hope Not Note podcast. We are so excited to be with you and I'm so glad that you're listening and we're thrilled to be here because it's our 10th episode and I just feel like 10th is such a big number (laughs) and we're really excited and um, I want to hop in with my hope story because it's kind of in the theme of excitement. So I have two little things I want to share. One of them being, which I'm most excited for, is that we're recording this episode early, but once this episode is released, it is going to be after our wedding, and we'll be on our honeymoon. Wow. And so it's just so special. You know, we're recording episode 10. It's going to be coming out just a few short weeks, and um, during that time, we'll just be celebrating love and life in such a beautiful way. And so I'm so excited for that. But because that's still in the future, technically, I can't have that as my only hope story. Mm. And so um, I have another hope story and it's kind of simple, but um, you know, Dylan and I went to the beach this past weekend and we weren't going to. We had originally planned the week before like, oh, let's go to the beach up here in New York. The closest like big water of body of water is like an hour away and so it's really a day trip if you if you want to go to the beach mm-hmm. and um we weren't gonna go and then we decided okay let's just go next week so next week was this week and on saturday it rained like crazy <laughs> like downpouring most of the day i love a good summer thunderstorm um but it almost dampened our plans of going to the beach And we almost, even when we woke up that morning, the ground was still very wet and we still almost didn't go. And we just kind of, you know, went to church in the morning, came home and then we decided, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then we decided, yes, let's go to the beach. And I am so glad that we went because it was the perfect beach day, sunny and warm, not too hot where you like can't breathe because it's too, too hot. Um, when we got there, the beach was kind of full, but not really. And so it was really like peaceful still. There was a slight breeze, little waves, but you could go out really far and soak in the water. And it was just, it was such a nice day, but my hope story wasn't anything in particular. It was just all of that happening, you know, seeing the, all of the different families coming together, hearing different accents and different languages being spoken and seeing multiple different dogs on the beach and people playing volleyball, people playing spike ball, all these different things, people playing football like we did, like all of those things just, it brings me so much joy and reminds me to soak in um, the sunshine and not just the sunshine above us, which we love to soak in in New York because we don't always get it, (laughs) um, but the sunshine of the people around us too. You know, the people people bring light, people give off light and being at the beach and being in the sun, but also kind of witnessing and observing the people around us. It, it really just brought me a lot of joy this past past week. And that's why I wanted to share it as my hope story. Oh, I I love that and and love the weekend. And my hope story also comes from, from the beach, but I'll start by saying I, I am so excited for us to get married (laughs) and and to be on our honeymoon. Uh, It's hard to reflect back and think of the last time that we both went somewhere and had time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we actually like unplugged and we're, we're just present. It's like emails and, and things like this that come up. And I'm, and I'm excited too, because 
a lot of times people ask you when you first meet them, like, oh, what do you do? And I always have to kind of figure out, like, what do I say to them? Like, mm-hmm. do I tell them that I'm an author? Do I tell them I'm the CEO of the business? Do I tell them that we have this podcast? Do I tell them that I'm a physical therapist, a performance coach, a professor? Like, what do I say to these people? And I'm so excited when people ask that, that I get to say, I'm a husband. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I do. I can't wait for that, I, too. <laughs> I am a husband. And, and eventually a father, but but a husband. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the first thing. That's the most important thing. And then all the other things, they can kind of come along with that. But the first thing of just saying, I'm a husband. I'm so excited Aww. for that. I'm excited for it because it's true. I'm also excited for it because I think it will put people in a mental pretzel. <laughs> Classic. Of like, no, no, like, what do you do for work? Like, oh, being married is not work. Mm. Like, it takes energy. It takes time. It takes being present. It takes putting it as a priority versus all the other things. So I'm excited to spread that out yeah. to people. Aww. And then <laughs> on the topic of the beach... I'll try not to stay in the emotional bucket for too long, but uh, growing up, we we had this dog named Chevy, mm. who is just this was this big bundle of joy, just big dog, just always looked like he had the dumbest look on his face, but he was always so happy, and he was a great dog. We we adopted him from one of our friends that saved him from a farm in Texas, drove him from Texas to New York in his Chevy S10, which is why he was named Chevy. Mm-hmm. And his brother adopted him, and then his brother was heading out west, and he wanted to give him, you know, a better life, not an apartment in San Diego. Not that that's a bad life, but he just doesn't have time to walk him and take him to the beach. So He's a big dog. He's a big dog. <laughs> so my buddy was looking for a, a family for him to go to, and at the time, our family had just lost our other dog, which was a very small Jack Russell Terrier named Guido. And I remember we went out to this family's camp for 4th of July, and Chevy was on the tailgate of the Chevy that he actually was rescued and saved and brought back to New York. And my mom was sitting on the tailgate and Chevy just put his head over his shoulder and just cuddled her. Mm. And it was my the first time my mom had met Chevy. She didn't know the story. She didn't know the situation. And Chevy just like went to her and cuddled her. And Chevy was a cuddler. He was a big dog that loved cuddles. Mm-hmm. Does not know his size, would sit on my lap, crush my legs and just be so happy. We loved it. We loved it. <laughs> And so we ended up adopting him and he was so funny. Like with my niece and nephew, it was the first time he's seen like smaller human beings. He didn't know what to do with them. So he's like kind of standoffish and then they became best friends. Mm -hmm. Like I remember Aria, like my niece riding him around the living room as like a horse and him (laughs) having the best time. But right before he passed, we had brought him to the beach and you would have thought that he was a puppy. Mm-hmm. He was running up and down the beach, slobber flopping everywhere. Um, that never took a break, never limped, just had a great time. You, you would have thought he was a puppy. I watched him that day and I was like, dang, he's probably got like five years left. Look at him go. <laughs> and then he passed soon after that. It was mm-hmm. like his last like hurrah. Yeah. So every time I go to the beach now, that's kind of the memory that comes up. And um, when we found our spot on the beach... And I, I went near the water, this dog, Remy, instantly came over mm-hmm. and just like approached me in the way that Chevy would approach me. And she just wanted to be pet and loved. And her owner's like, Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, No, <laughs> like yeah. this is this is great. Like this dog very intentionally knows what it's doing. And I know why it was this dog that came over, just just from that approach of almost like a message from Chevy of like I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I see you guys. I'm I'm good. 
personal and that's so special and uh, that brought me so much joy too because i just know every time we go out places dogs just find dylan like (laughs) I say that a dog is Dylan's spirit animal because they're they're just so similar, like life, like very lively and joyful and just wants all the love and wants to give all the love. And so anytime we're out at places and a dog finds you, I'm like, oh, no surprise. But that's so special. Just the memory of Chevy because it was about a year ago when mm-hmm. when everything was going down. Um, but how special that, that that was this past weekend. But then also... Um, just adding in the dogs for all of our dog lovers who are listening. Yeah. But there were so many dogs. There were, um, what are they called? Like St. Bernard's yeah. on the beat. Like massive dogs. And yeah. it was it was just awesome seeing them like running through the water. And There was one dog wearing a life jacket, literally like floating around yeah. in the lake, like biting onto his chew toy, but just floating in this life jacket. Like I saw the owner putting it on. I'm like, there's no way this dog has a life jacket. I can't wait to see what happens. And the dog was so happy oh just out gosh. there flowing. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I absolutely loved it. It brought us joy because we don't have our own dog mm-hmm. yet, but it, whenever we get to like spend time with dogs, we get so excited. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so if you're a dog lover, I guess the, our hope stories are really for you today. <laughs> um, but hopping into our questions this week, um, I'm assuming that our first question, the person read the book because mm-hmm. they ask, their name's Jessica, and they ask, what identifies a lifelong athlete? And um, for listeners, if you haven't read Dylan's book, Hope Not Nope, part of the subtitle is um, involves lifelong athlete. And so Jessica asked that question, and so I'd love for you to elaborate. Absolutely. It's, it's a great question. Thank you, Jessica, for writing that in. Uh, briefly stated, a lifelong athlete is defined by the values that you're living out. This past weekend, I got to cover the Empire State Games, which, you know, the trainer that was going to be there kind of backed out. And I was like, yeah, I can come and help out. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. And when I got there, the person that was the head of it goes, yeah, the age range is 10 to 100. Elite level athlete, like ranked in the world, ranked nationally or a D1 college athlete in track and field. So that ranged down to the competitor that was like, yeah, I want to go do this. So very wide range, very wide range of ages, talents, work, all wide ranges, all lifelong athletes. Mm-hmm. That that 10-year-old up to the 100-year-old. The I'm showing up for this event to I do this to pay for my college, to I do this and I'm sponsored and my sponsor's paying my paycheck. But where it gets confused is that it doesn't need to be a, I don't want to say a competitive event, but it doesn't need to be a registered event. Because your competitive event as a lifelong athlete, if you're dealing with chronic pain, may be getting out of bed in the morning. Your competition may be walking to the mailbox. And people oh, wow, walking to the mailbox. No, that that could be a marathon for the person that's been on bed rest for two years. Mm -hmm. That person is a lifelong athlete. So a lifelong athlete, it's a person that's living out the values of an athlete. They're they're disciplined. They want to make changes for, for the good. They want to improve their overall well-being. They're willing to sacrifice and, and put other things first. And, and w- that can look in a different variety of forms of like, I think of my dad, for example, he's a lifelong athlete. Like when he was younger, he pulled a tractor trailer. <laughs> he now drives tractor trailers. So it's kind of full circle. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he would say, well, I'm not an athlete. I haven't pulled the tractor trailer. I haven't done a lifting competition since I was in my 20s. No, you wake up every morning at 4.30, you go drive for 15 hours a day, come back home, 
eat dinner, go to bed, and do that five days a week, you are a lifelong athlete because mm-hmm. you're disciplined, you're showing up, and you're sacrificing for for other people. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's what a lifelong athlete is. I love that. I, I love that because it really is just simple. You know, when you, as you were talking, I was thinking of all these other examples, but you you use the most simple example of you don't have to be, you know a hundred years old running a marathon. However, I do want to share a story because I, I saw it recently of this older gentleman who, I forget all the details, I forget his name, but he was 93 years old hiking a mountain in I think somewhere in the Pacific Northwest and he had people around him to help him hike this mountain and it was just this beautiful thing because he hiked all the way to the top and basically said something along the lines of, well, I thought I'd be like huffing and puffing more and like was kind of shocked that he like had already gotten to the top, even though it was this massive mountain. And I, and I look at him and it's amazing that he's 93 years old and he hiked this mountain, but I'm also amazed just by his perspective of, you know, he's probably been through way harder things in his life at 93 years old than hiking that mountain. And that's maybe that's why at the top he was like, I thought I'd be more like huffing and puffing because Mm -hmm you know, he, he probably has gone through way more challenging things. And he did this with people around him to support him. And so it was almost like easier. And so I think, you know, when we're younger, we look at athletes, we look at um, sporting events, whatever. And I think that some people thrive in maybe individual events versus or individualized sports versus like team sports. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you never do any sport. You never go about anything by yourself. You have coaches, you have other people are competing that can help you grow. Even if you're not necessarily like on a team, there's still always like people around you. And so I I thought of that story. And I also thought of this other story of um, back home where I'm originally from in Erie, Pennsylvania. There's this gym that my brother goes to. And I absolutely love this gym. Like they're phenomenal they actually their gym was the reason why I was inspired to join a gym here in Syracuse and um I just applaud them so much but and I I don't know if I'll get all of the details to this story correctly but the there was a woman in Erie who was a couple um I don't I don't know the number but let's just say like four or five hundred pounds like she was severely obese where she couldn't even get off of the couch for like multiple years And somehow she got connected with this gym. And so two of their coaches would go and help her um, and do like basically training in her house. Mm -hmm. And they ended up getting her to a place where she could come into the gym slowly, which was phenomenal. But I remember seeing this video of those two trainers helping this woman take a step from her... um, basically like her lawn onto her front porch, which was a a step a little bit higher than typical stairs. And so Mm -hmm. it was just like a little too challenging and watching her, um, basically hold on to these two like strong men in order to get up. And she struggled with it and probably tried it like six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, but then she ended up getting it. And it was just this, such a cool moment of, you know, that is a lifelong athlete. She did not, there were times where she probably wanted to give up or maybe she gave up in small ways, but she did not give up completely. And now she was able to take that, take that step. So you're right. It is walking to the mailbox. It is making that big step onto your front porch. A few months later, I saw a video of her walking an entire flight of stairs at the gym. And it like, it gives me the chills just thinking about it. And it's not like, I don't know the girl personally. I know that she's connected to the gym that my brother goes to back in Erie PA, but just like 
her story inspires me so much because, and it's not about like the weight and being lost, although that's a, a beautiful thing in her specific circumstance, but it's about like the, the values that she was pursuing and continues to pursue. I think that's what, like you said, that's what being a lifelong athlete's all about. Yeah. And that's where it's so true. And that's where I get a little worried with the sports attrition rates that we see because the current data shows that by, by the time an athlete gets to a teenage level and sports become more competitive and things like that, the sports attrition rate is 70 to 80%, meaning Mm -hmm. that 70, 80% of the youth are no longer engaged in sport. And that's fine if they're not engaged in sport, but are they engaged in some type of activity? Mm -hmm. Are they engaged in something that they're learning discipline, that they're learning about sacrifice, that they're learning about getting these values that really defines a lifelong athlete? And that's really what it's about. It's not about sports performance. And and I'll share a quick example of one of my favorite athletes of all time. Her name is Edna. She's 86 (laughs) years old and stands in at, I don't know, 140 pounds, but she is phenomenal. She was at the senior games she ran the 55 meter dash, the 100 meter dash, 200 meter dash, the mile race walk, and the mile running event. So 1600 meter run. Not only did she do all those events, she took first place in all of them because she was one of the only competitors in that age range. <laughs> but she did all of those events within four hours wow. of each other. So the amount of conditioning that you have to be in to be able to do it. I, I, I told her, I, I know 14 year olds that can't do that. Mm-hmm. I know 16 year olds that wouldn't be able to do that because they don't have that capacity to do that. And you just did it all at 86 years old. <laughs> she got a gold medal for every event. Being a lifelong athlete is not about these material awards that you get presented. When she went to go get her gold medal, cause they give you the medal after each event, they would try to put it on her neck and she didn't allow them to. <laughs> She moved her head away, would snatch the metal out of the air, stuff it in her pocket, bring it over to her bag, and then just throw it on the ground. <laughs> and they were like, come on, come on, let's put this on. And she's like, nope, nope, nope. Like, why Why was she doing that? Because Edna's leaving a legacy. She's living out the values of a lifelong athlete. The competition means nothing to her. Other than that, she gets to leave this behind for the people behind her. Of Look what I did when I was 86 years old. If you don't think you can do this, I'm your example. And she's too humble to admit that she becomes the example, <laughs> but she does become the example. Yeah. So that's the sacrifice part of this. She's 86 years old. No one is saying you have to go and do this. She's decided that this is what I'm going to do to to create this legacy. Mm-hmm. That can happen at eight years old, right? We, we can see it in sportsmanship of this young athlete just creating a legacy already from the values that he's creating from from that discipline mm-hmm. so you where it gets confused is as a lifelong athlete it's not about sports performance it's about your performance as a human being mm-hmm. and, and uh, i'm sharing this from ben bergeron his method is that if you can make the person a better person then they will become a better athlete mm-hmm. and that's a lifelong athlete let's make people better if we make them better, their performance will get better. They'll start stacking up these small victories. Maybe they won't run a race and get a medal. Maybe they don't. But as long as they're living out those values, they're a lifelong athlete. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Um, 
Thank you, Dylan. And, and thank you, Jessica, for that awesome question. So helpful for us to be able to answer and hopefully helpful for the listeners to be able to hear, like, when we talk lifelong athlete, what do we mean? Yeah. Um, hopping into our next question. This is from a listener named Bill. And Bill asks, how do I make the most out of life when most of my days are consumed by a job that I don't enjoy, but I do it because I have to provide for my family? Bill, that's a great question. Whenever I hear the name Bill, I always think, is it actually William? But then they didn't want to go by Will, so they went with Bill. Or is it Billy? Like, doesn't matter, but that's that's kind of the first <laughs> I often, question I, I have for, <laughs> for Bill. But thank you, Bill, for reaching out to that. Yeah. I forget what episode it was, but we talked about the three stone cutters. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it, it becomes, can we change your perspective about that? And, and so that's a good place to start. It's just changing your perspective about what is it that you're doing I'm sure no matter what you're doing, there's meaning to it. There, there's no meaningless job. Every, every job has meaning. You're providing something for somebody down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at, for example, like a janitor. Like a janitor may think that what they're doing is not purposeful. It's like a sucky job and, and like people don't want to do that. And the reality is like, what would our schools look like if it wasn't for janitors? Oh. Yeah. There'd be puke piles everywhere, messy toilets, toilet paper all over the place. Mm-hmm. And and that's just the minimum of what they do. Yeah. Like all the other maintenance stuff they do to keep a school actually running. So they're not just picking up this pile of puke. They're setting this establishment for young minds to come in and learn and to be cultivated to then become a productive member of society. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you can switch your perspective, you'll you'll start to see how important it is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. No, no matter how minimal you may think that it is, it's not minimal. It's very purposeful. So that's that's one avenue is just the perspective of that position. And sometimes we forget. We forget that what we're doing is meaningful because mm-hmm. you don't directly see that impact. And it, and it becomes hard. So make sure that another, another step is that make sure you have a team and that you guys are constantly talking about the vision. Like our vision is not to just clean up this pile of puke. Our vision is to cultivate a safe and clean place for these students to learn. If you have a leader that is able to use that and and you have weekly meetings and they're talking about vision and they're talking about vision and they're talking about vision, Mm -hmm. you're gonna have a change in mindset, Mm -hmm. right? It just takes one positive person on a team to really change the team around, you know? So perspective, have those vision meetings, establish what the vision is. And, and you know, at this point, you, you may have to, Brandy's mentioned it before, you, you should look within yourself for that vision. And if it's, you're having trouble getting it, maybe reach out to other sources. Mm-hmm. This is where it's so important to have community. Like you said, that man that climbed up uh, Half Dome at Yosemite, he had a community around him. Mm-hmm. He did the walking, but he had people there with him supporting him. So what are those people that are there to support you? And I saw this the other day, but the best friend that you want to keep in your life is the person that you can call first and foremost. It needs to be a communication, but you can call them and you can tell them all that's went well. And their response isn't competitiveness of like, oh, your week went well. Let me tell you about my week because I think my week was better than your week. (laughs) Right. And, and people don't say that exactly, but they're like, oh, I just got a new house. Oh, yeah. I just bought this new Mercedes. 
Yeah. And it's like, why are you trying to one-up me? I'm just trying right. to share some some victory with you, whether that's your victory or not your victory, whatever that may be. But, you know, so having the friend that you can call and share something good with and, and they celebrate with you. They don't try to one-up you. A friend that you can call when things are not going poorly or when things are going poorly, things are not going well, you're suffering, you're struggling. And then instead of them going, yeah, yeah, guess what's going on in my life? I think I can match that. Mm-hmm. They just, they're there with you. They, they can, they have empathy and they're just there to support you. And then that friend is also the person that is willing to call you out. <laughs> and sorry to say like this, but call you out on your crap. Yeah. And what does that look like? Oh, what I'm doing, just, I don't get it. It doesn't matter. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> it does matter because you matter and can list the examples as to why you matter. If you have that friend in your life, hold on to that friend mm-hmm. and keep them as close as possible because it is rare and it is hard to come by. And when you do, that person is so special. That's going to be the person that's going to help you to shift your perspective. They're going to give you insight to things that you're maybe not seeing. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of two or three different strategies. And the last thing I would say is that if none of that is working, and you feel like you need something more, what is the activity that you want to be doing? Back a while ago, we had a friend that was um, going into the FBI Academy. So we we're having a going away party and it was at a local bar that happened to have an open mic night on Wednesday night. <laughs> it was one of my favorite nights. Yeah. You know, like being, being at that place because there's, there's a guy that went up and he rapped his own song. There's a guy that brought a trumpet and played his trumpet. There's a person that was singing Christmas songs. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't matter how much the music hurt your ears. The joy of that person performing was everything. Yeah. And for those people, that was the moment of their week. Mm-hmm. That was their time that that little moment on that stage in front of that little amount of people gave them the fuel for the rest of their week. Mm-hmm. We see it in pickup basketball. We see it in, in all these different things. So what I would say, if you're really struggling with it, what's that thing that you can do that fuels you for the rest of the week? It might You might say, oh, yeah, I always enjoyed painting, but uh, I just don't have the time to paint. I guarantee if we looked at your phone, we'd see how much time you spend scrolling. Mm-hmm. And if we minimize that and said, here's a canvas, paint, you would probably go, well, you know, it's been too long. I don't think I'm good enough to paint anymore. Well, who are you painting for? Yeah. You're not painting to go sell this at an art show. You're painting because it gives you joy. It fulfills your soul. So that thing that your soul wants, because if you have to provide and you feel like you're in this position and it's not life-giving and your soul wants something else, but you still have to stay in this position, give it micro doses of that other thing throughout the week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to comment on the last one, like it's healthy and important to have outlets in your day-to-day life you know if you have the same routine every single week and nothing's bringing you joy like that that is problematic like I I feel for you Bill because that is very problematic it's important to have healthy outlets and and maybe you know you say you need to provide for your family maybe you need to ask some of your one of your family members to pick up the slack in one area so that you can have a breather in a different area in order to have, you know, we're not saying go spend 12 hours a week by yourself to go get recharged, you know, you know, an hour would be great if you could do an hour. If it's only 30 minutes, it's 30 minutes or whatever you can do. But like having that thing, 
if you're not enjoying your life, you need to find the thing that will bring joy back into your life. And, um, you know, Dylan mentioned that it's hobbies. Unfortunately, I would love to say that the answer to this question is just quit your job and find a job that's more meaningful, but that's probably not the solution for most people. Um, And so find other ways that you can bring meaning back into your life on a regular basis because you deserve to enjoy your life. You deserve to find that joy again. And I think sometimes it's hard to find perspective, but having like a specific action step is, is a good first step in finding perspective. Yeah, and part of this is it's solitude, mm. but it has to be solitude with purpose because solitude without purpose is destructive mm-hmm. and that can lead to depression. But solitude with purpose, and solitude does not mean that you're isolating yourself in a room with all the lights off and there's no <laughs> stimulus whatsoever. Right. Like solitude is like one of my best friends loves fly fishing and he shared with us that one of his favorite things to do is to dig a hole in the snow and then just lay in it with the creek going by and the sun coming down. Mm-hmm. Like that's his solitude. But he also gets solitude when he's out there with the rod actually fly fishing. Some people get solitude with hiking. Some people get solitude from writing. I know when I was writing the book, that was my solitude. Mm-hmm. That was so joyful. It was just me just, just typing this thing away and thinking and researching. Mm-hmm. So solitude is not this thing where you're just laying there. It can be, but it doesn't have to be this thing where you're just laying there doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But it's doing the thing that thoroughly gives you joy, right. that you could get lost in, that the rest of your week, you're thinking about that thing. You're still putting your 40 hours in mm-hmm. at wherever you need to to pay the bills. But your brain is like, oh man, I can't wait to get back to that book. I can't wait to get back to that painting. I can't wait to get back to that gym and take one more jump shot. I can't wait to go on that walk. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to knit that last part of this blanket. (laughs) Whatever it may be, you just, you need that thing. How do you know it's the right thing? You'll know. Yeah. You'll start it and you'll get sparks. You'll be so freaking excited. Mm -hmm. It won't matter what the outcome is of the product. The outcome will be your happiness. Mm -hmm. And that is worth every. The, the most expensive currency we have is time, mm-hmm. right? This is worth your spend. Yeah. Spend it on the thing that you love. And I do I do want to add to when you spend time on the thing that you love, you're going to be able to provide for your family more because you're going to be more like emotionally available for them. You're going to be more joyful around them because if you're struggling in your day-to-day life because of your job, you're probably, I'm assuming, but most people would bring that home with them. There'd be almost like a a drudgery about them or just like a monotony or whatever. But if you have that thing that's giving you life, you're going to be able to give that life to the people around you as well, which who doesn't want to help their family grow? You know, who doesn't want to improve your family? Maybe once you, once you really have that thing, maybe you invite family members to that as well. Like who, who knows what it'll turn into, but I think that that's important to say as well. Yeah. And you made me think of this other thing of, you know, reflecting on if you are able to kind of take a step back or a step away from that thing that's draining you, because if you're drained and then you do this activity that undrains you, you're just getting back to neutral. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that's a huge victory. That's a big one, just getting back to neutral. But I would, I would say that we, we would, if we were working with you as a hope coach, we would fail you if we're only getting you back to neutral week after week after week, because 
we know there's so much potential past neutral. Mm -hmm. We know that everyone here, everyone here struggles, everyone here suffers, but that doesn't mean that we have to have an unhappy life. Mm -hmm. We can get to having a happy life. And we stated it before, but happy is the state of not wanting anything more because you're surrounded with so much abundance and so much love that you don't need these other things. Mm -hmm. So it's a time to reflect. Do you need Amazon Prime, YouTube TV account, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, probably missing other ones, but do you need all of those subscriptions? Or, or can you limit it down to one subscription? Do you need to buy the $30,000 cars that impress your friends, but leave you working this job that's crushing you, but once a week, someone looks at your car and goes, oh, that's a nice car, and you go, yeah, yeah, it's worth it, <laughs> versus getting the $10,000 car that's reliable, that gets you from point A to point B. So reflect on what are these, where's your money going? And a lot of people, oh, I need a miracle to get out of this position. No, you need a plan. Yeah. You need a plan. You need to look at <laughs> yeah. what are your expenses. Like when, when we started the business, we very much made our overhead costs very low mm -hmm. because we didn't want to start from, from a hole in the ground, digging our way out of it. So make sure that you are reflecting on those things and setting a, a plan in place. And the last thing I want to share, I was, I was reading about Alexander the Great. And when he passed, he had... These were what this is what he wanted. He said, I want the best doctors to carry my casket. Hmm. That symbolizes that the smartest minds were still not able to cure death. Hmm. Like this thing is, is going to happen. And by death, a Passover, like you're leaving earth. Like the best minds were not able to prevent that. He goes, second, I want you to take all of my money and scatter it hmm. as, as they're carrying me. Why? Make it rain. No, he <laughs> wanted that to symbolize that when you leave this world, it doesn't matter your wealth because you're not leaving with it. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing that he asked was, and this one's kind of creepy, but like <laughs> I like where he was going with it. He's like, can you drill a hole in the side of the casket and hang my arm outside of it with my hand open <laughs> so that people can see that you come into this world empty-handed and you leave empty-handed? Wow. And basically was symbolizing that, like, look, you can spend your life in the grind, stacking up material things. You can have all this power. And when you're gone, that's gone too. But what does stay is your legacy. Mm -hmm. Because I'll be honest, other than that, I don't know nothing else about Alexander the Great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Classic. Uh, fair. That's fair. <laughs> you learned, you watched a whole documentary or read a whole book and mm -hmm. that's what you got. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think all that to sum up, like, Bill, you're worthy of a great life. Mm -hmm. Bill, you're worthy of an amazing life. You're worthy of enjoying your life. So start enjoying it. And hopefully this wisdom allows you to do so. Yeah. Our next question is from a listener named Isaac, and he says, I've always had this idea that I'm more of a follower than a leader. How can I become a better leader? Isaac, great question. I think a lot of times we, we get in the pattern of thinking that we're not leaders. Mm. And I will say every single person is a leader. There are times when you do follow. I, I follow people. But my leadership skills allow me to pick out the people who I should be following. And guess what? Those leaders had another person that they followed. And those leaders had a person that they followed. So being a good leader is, is one, delegating that you're not going to be great at everything. 
there's things that I'm great at, there's things that I'm terrible at, and the things that I'm terrible at, I want to delegate those to a person that's better than me at that. Mm-hmm. I can pick up some skill from them, I can learn from them a little bit, but I'm following their lead because of the leadership skills that I've developed to realize that I need to put my ego aside and get help in the areas that I'm weak in. So I'd first start by saying, Isaac, you are a leader. And anyone listening, you are a leader. Now it's just finding out how do you allow yourself to believe that? Mm-hmm. What are your leadership skills in or, or where are you leading yourself? I think the hardest thing to do is to lead yourself, right? But the fact that you took the time to send in this question, hmm. that you're listening to this podcast, by default, that automatically makes you a leader mm-hmm. because if you were a follower you would have waited for someone else to submit that question yeah so that is just one small example without actually knowing who you are of how you are a leader and i'm sure if we sat down and talked i could point out 30 or 50 or 100 or 200 different ways that you are a leader mm-hmm. anything that you would add in well i think too like the the question almost implies some sort of stereotype to following and leading when i think and you, you said this, but maybe in just different words, like the best leaders are also followers. But in order to be a leader, you need to have followers too. And so I think of, you know, we here at Hope Not Nope, we value servant-based leadership, which means you, you're following almost. Like mm-hmm. you're getting behind the pack in order to help push them forward too. And so there there's like, you could look at that and be like, well, if you're in the back, that means you're following. Well, well, no, but yes, but no. And so I think like don't stereotype um, following and leading because I think that they they really do go hand in hand and both are of, of great, 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 great value. Um, but I, I wonder if he's asking this question in the sense of like maybe he feels like he's not a leader because he um, just kind of puts himself down or something mm. like that. And I just want, you know, we were just encouraging Bill to enjoy his life and that he's worthy of a great life. Isaac, you're worthy of being a great leader and a great follower. And and that is not a, like being a follower, being a leader. Those are not negative things. Those are great and phenomenal things. And the world is a better place with more people like you. And so be encouraged and know that, you know, this world needs followers and leaders. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautifully said. And two quotes kind of came to mind that one to know where things are going, you have to know where they came from. Mm -hmm. So if you want to lead someone down a new direction, you have to understand where did this stuff come from, right? So I spent so much time in, in classic exercise science books, sports illustrated articles from 1950, 1940, Mm -hmm. like these old articles just to see where did this come from? Like, where did this idea, this concept begin? And to do that, I have to follow what the other leaders have done before me in order to then know, okay, I want to go this way. And the other thing to think about, too, is that what determines if a structure comes down determines how a structure went up. Mm. So if you haven't practiced, if you haven't established your values, if you don't know what your values are, if you don't have at least an idea of what your vision is, and you just say, I'm going to lead by authority. Hmm. I'm just going to lead by screaming and demanding respect. That's going to get you to the top fast. It will. Hmm. It, like, hands down, that is the fastest way to get to the top. It'll get you noticed. It'll get you noticed. Be controversial. Yell in people's faces. Tell them that they're <laughs> wrong. Call them 
terrible names. It'll get you to go viral. It will create all these things. It'll get you to the top. But guess what? You skipped all of these steps to get there. So the higher that you go, the more critics are going to come at you. Mm-hmm. And you haven't developed that system to be able to cope with those things because you don't know your foundation. If you haven't built the foundation, that tower that you built, it's going to come crumbling down. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's going to come back down to the ground. So what I would say, Isaac, is if you're feeling like you're a follower, you're not feeling like a leader, maybe the best place to start is to build that foundation. Mm-hmm. What are your values? What is it that you want to set out to achieve? What is your action step to do so? Like, let's say you want to become the best physical therapist in the world. Like, one, we have to get a little bit more specific because what, what does that mean? Yeah. And then two, what have the other greats done before you? What did they do that made them great? They all studied the foundation. They all got their fundamentals down so incredibly well that then they're able to kind of go a different direction or this direction, but it's because they worked on the foundation. So if you're struggling, you want to become a leader, establish your values, work on your foundation, work on your foundation, get your (laughs) fundamentals down, work on your foundation so that when that tower is built, it's stable. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I think when you're working on your foundation too, you become more confident in your foundation yeah. and it becomes such a second nature to you that like, yes, you continue to work on it, but then you also like you're working on it is just you living because it's yeah. become, it's become so second nature. I think of, um, and I think you also mentioned this, but just to add on to it, make a list of maybe five, maybe 10 leaders that you value or go print out their picture and put it in your room, in your journal, in your car, like wherever, but put the faces or the names of these leaders that you wanna follow because of their foundation. The first person that came to my mind is Mother Teresa. I don't care who you are. And actually there's this controversy that like when Mother Teresa was alive, a lot of people didn't like her, which just blows my mind because it's Mother Teresa. Like, are you (laughs) kidding me? But like Mother Teresa, would go into the streets and kiss people and cure them because of like she loved them so much that like basically her presence could help cure the illnesses that they were going to she would bathe people who hadn't even been looked at because people just wanted to brush by them if her um order of sisters and order of missionaries got like shoes she would be the person who took the last pair of shoes, even though she was in charge of every single person in the organization, she would take the last pair of shoes. So often she wouldn't even wear shoes that were her size. And she did it because she loved and because she served. And so, you know, maybe I would put Mother Teresa in my starting five of leaders of all time, but like yeah. make your starting five and and put them in a place where you can you can see them on a regular basis because their virtues and maybe list the virtues and the characteristics that you love about them because their virtues and characteristics are the foundation that you also want to lay and it'll help you to remember on your bad days if you catch a glimpse of mother Teresa in the corner of like you know I'm struggling I need to be intentional I need to build my foundation mother Teresa was a servant-based leader I need to do better today how how can I go and love someone maybe someone who's poor maybe someone who is in need, whatever, like, how can I do that and and go do that? It's a great action step. And I want to add on to that, like that, that was beautifully said, (laughs) like very, very well done. Thank you. But second, one very simple, easy action step you can do this week, eaters eat last. Mm -hmm. 
if you're at an office and there's an office party, instead of being the first one to rush in, grab five slices of pizza, all the wings, let everyone else go before you. You want to step it up, go to the front, hand out plates to everyone, and then get behind them mm-hmm. and say, you know what? I'll take the middle slice of the sheet pizza that nobody wants because it's super cheesy and soggy and, and kind of gross. Sorry if you like that piece, but I do not like that piece. I like me a corner piece with nice strong crust on each I side. I like the middle piece. You like the middle piece. <laughs> so for me, it would be, let me get in that line and I'll take whatever whatever piece is left mm-hmm. because I'm putting you guys before me. Mm-hmm. That That is leadership. Leadership is not, you suck, you don't know anything, come follow me. It's let me put my ego aside. Let me put my needs aside and let me let me support you guys in a way that you've never felt supported before. Mm, I love that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So simply said, leaders eat last. Yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to sum it all up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Isaac, Bill, Jessica, thank you so much for your questions. I really hope that this inspired you, that this inspired the rest of the listeners. And I kind of want to shout out Isaac because you had said, you know, Isaac's a leader because he asked the question. So listeners, how can you be a leader this week? Maybe it's asking (laughs) us a question. (laughs) Maybe it's asking us a question. (laughs) It's just helpful. It's helpful to get different perspectives. Do you like the more physical therapy questions? Do you like the uh, CrossFit or athlete questions? Do you like the habit goals questions? Do you like the leadership questions? All those things are so helpful for us. And so seeing the different range of questions is is great. So head over to our website, hopenotnope.org, where you can ask us questions and um, you know we'll, we'll answer them in future podcasts. Have a great week. And remember, every day is not just a great day to be hopeful. It's an opportunity to become hope. The Hope Not Note podcast is meant for educational, informational, and personal development purposes only and does not constitute any health or medical advice. If you're looking for specific advice, connect with us to work with a Hope Coach. The Hope Not Note podcast shall not be liable or responsible for any loss or damage allegedly arising from any information or suggestions in this podcast.